library here is by G.I. Williamson. Anybody familiar with that name? G.I. Williamson. Um, he's probably gone for several decades already, but he was basically a very prominent person in the OPC. Um, G.I. Williamson. He served uh, one of the reform teachers in uh, New Zealand, I think, for a time as well. Um, but he wrote a commentary on the Westminster Confession. So I have two copies. If uh, one of you wants one of those, then I'll be glad to share that with you. Um, but um, I followed his, uh, his study, basically. Um, and uh, he divides uh, this uh, particular section in two parts. He combines articles one and two, paragraph one and two, and then um, the third one uh, separately. So when you look at these first two um, uh, sections, I mean, they are filled with information, aren't they? There's, yeah, there's no... A lot of like, theology there, isn't huh? A lot of good theology. Yeah. I mean, the economy of words, um, you know, it's just uh, adjective, adjective, adjective upon adjective, it seems like. Uh, most this, most that, and so forth. Um, it is just loaded with yeah. content, with, with biblical content. And that is the beauty of the Westminster Confession and the other confessions as well, uh, catechisms as well. Uh, they are very biblical, very accurate, very precise. And for theologians uh, who are called to teach, um, pastors who are called to teach, elders who are called to teach, um, it is a tremendous tool that uh, God has blessed his church with, uh, these uh, Westminster Standards. Um, so if I just list the various um, teachings that you can uh, glean from these first two paragraphs, um, one is obvious, the first one, and that is, but one living God. So there is no other gods. Uh, we, don't, we are not polytheists, but we are monotheistic. There is one true God. We share that belief as such with the Muslims um, and the Jews, obviously, um, so these are three world religions who teach, be it not all the same way, that there's one God. Mm -hmm. um, but the biblical God uh, that we love uh, and, and confess um, is stated here as the one God who exists. Uh, this God is um, a spirit. So this is a very important distinction to be made. And you find it throughout the New Testament particularly, that um, to have a proper world and life view, as we sometimes talk about that, um, our understanding of reality, uh, it is uh, very helpful to remind ourselves that there is the creator-creature distinction. Yes. So the creator is not, he has made us, so there's, there must be something of us in our qualities that, you know, that originates from him, that he has placed in us by his image, but as such, he is not us. We are not him. He is a spirit. He is not a human. It says here, he has no parts, for example, right? Um Without passions, that, that's probably a reference to what Calvin would often say, um, that uh, you know, God is, uh, not, is without passions. And he doesn't mean that um, you know, when the Bible says that God is furious or God is uh, loving, or, uh, uh, you know, but that is, that is human language to describe the indescribable. Uh, but God as such, as a spirit, 
is not like humans who are who are of course having passions i don't mean that in a negative way but you know that's our humanity right um so that's the second one he is a spirit and then the third one is that he uh, possesses certain attributes um and some of you are very familiar with this terminology i know but um, there are things that we call communicable attributes and there are things that are incommunicable attributes an incommunicable attribute that is listed would be a an attribute a characteristic of god that he does not share with us um for example it's mentioned that he uh uh is immutable uh so god in his being not to mention just like his actions such as his will uh but in his being he doesn't change uh he doesn't for get formed from one level to a higher level uh there's also no degrading uh, in his being uh, god is, is just above everything creational uh he is eternal he is he is everything um words simply lack us fail us to describe who he he is so immutability is one he is infinite we are not infinite are we uh we are bound by time and place um but god is infinite he had no beginning he had no end he is almighty um and uh, he is also not uh, yeah again uh, composite uh, or um, yeah that he is that there are parts to him um but there are also things that are uh, that he uh, shares with us um one more thing that is incommunicable is his what we call aseity uh god is in his being um um not in need of others he is independent to the nth degree um the fact that he created us doesn't give him more um yeah meaning and 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 glory than um uh, if he had not done that so god is independent of himself mm. uh he's self-existent these are really deep thoughts and, and elevated um ideas but that is what the confession tells us of who god is um then the communicable attributes are things like um you know we say that god is all-knowing well we are not all-knowing but we know some things right so that's what god laid into the creation that we would be rational beings who by the gift of reason would be able to function the way we can um wisdom god is all wise but we can be wise too and we're called to be wise um goodness love holiness righteousness uh, even the element of god's sovereignty is a shared attribute because uh there is sovereignty as we know from the history of uh humanity that uh we call certain people sovereigns right kings and queens in the olden days um they they have authority that is sovereign that is free um upon and over others who are their subjects so um so god has these various attributes some of which he shares with us some of which he doesn't share um yeah and then finally um uh, williamson mentions that god is not dependent upon anything uh, but he is as i already mentioned absolutely independent so those are um the the comments that we can uh, summarize from the first two paragraphs 
namely God's attributes and God's total sovereignty. Um, and then the second uh, uh, paragraph is perhaps treated separately by him because um, here you are not so much talking about what God is, right, in his essence, in his being, but how he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is not to be minimized. Uh, because if you look at uh, things as they are, um, the Bible is, is filled with is filled more with how God is than what he is. Because we have said here that he is incomprehensible. Right? Um, the fact that we can know God is only because he disclosed himself to us. Right. We can see him from his creation on a certain level, but not sufficiently to be saved from our sins. And so we have the book of the, 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 the word of God by which God has revealed himself and then that word made flesh in the Son of Jesus Christ. Um, but then, yeah, when we talk about the incarnation, we're already beginning to talk about the how of God. Because it is all for a purpose. Uh, God is not just uh, doing things for his own sake, which he could, and he could be doing that for his glory. But God is very interested in, in, in a purpose. You know, so... Um, I re- remember the, the book that was uh, published some years ago, The um, Purpose Driven Life. Um, well, whatever you think about that book and its author, uh, I think it's a brother in the Lord who wrote it. But uh, the purpose is not just that we have purpose. We have purpose because God is a purpose-driven God. And so the whole Bible is the opening up of his purpose. The purpose that brings glory to himself fully and completely um, and we are the, the means to that greater goal. Uh, you were created for a purpose. Uh, God gave you a time and place in this world. Mm-hmm. And for some it's longer, for some it's shorter. Some have uh, this circumstance in life more than others in those circumstances. But, but we all are living here for the purpose of the glory of God. And the, f- the confession, in fact, uh, asks that question, doesn't it? Um, what is the chief aim of man? Uh, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Um, so, in the third section, uh, it is more about uh, how God exists. He reveals Himself. He uh, makes connection with humans by way of what we call the covenant. Uh, he he binds Himself as a husband to a wife. You could say when He makes covenant with Israel, when He makes covenant with us <coughs> under the new covenant. Um, and then the persons within God's being. This is, of course, you know, goes completely beyond our comprehension, but that there is three persons in one being. But that is what the Bible reveals. Um, and so God is, the spirit, is a spirit, and as such, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, uh, who are part of one being, not three beings. And the church struggled with this, of course. The early church struggled to understand and, and grab a hold of this uh, idea of the Trinity. Um, and I won't go into details about modular, uh, modalism and so forth. But um, uh, the danger was that when people started to think in certain directions, that you did practically end up with three gods. Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, so we got three gods, right? That's what math normally means. But the mystery of the Trinity is that God takes exception to our normal reason 
and mathematics. Right. And he is three persons in one uh, nature. Um, such is, is our God, and such is his greatness. Um, and each of these three persons are distinct from one another. The Father is not the Son. One of our ancient creeds states that. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son or the Father. They're separate um, uh, beings. So, um, I think I have said basically all I plan to say about this. Uh, um, let's uh, remind ourselves of the how. Uh, the how of God is found in your Bibles. Um, God has set a limit to our reason, our ability to understand, and we must not pry into it beyond that point. So the Bible is sufficient. Don't ask God for more when he hasn't told you that there is more to be known about him. Uh, there is that humility that comes in as well, true, that we say, Lord, you are sufficient, your word is sufficient, and I, I may look forward, Lord, to the day when I see you face to face and I am in your presence and I may want to ask you questions about <coughs> the Trinity um, and, uh, and other things. But as we are here, we have in God's word all that we need. We're not waiting for extra revelation um, to uh, give us more uh, information. Uh, we have in God's word all that we need. So how is God? He is kind. He is amazing in his, in his wisdom, his design of us as human beings alone. Uh, take a look at the eye, you know, and put the eye under a telescope, as it were, or what do you call it, and uh, take it, pick it apart, and all the elements of an eye alone are just mind-boggling, uh, not to mention all the other parts, uh, and then go into the whole created order. Um, there's absolute design to it, in my opinion, uh, because I know from God's word that he is the designer. And that is a matter of faith, right? That's not a conclusion I draw from mere observation. Um, I should recognize from observation that there is a God, but I acknowledge this God thanks to faith, and that's a gift from God. So let us humbly give thanks to the Lord for the gift of our faith, of our knowledge of him, our understanding of him, that has led to a relationship with this great God, who is ever and forever above us. We call that his transcendence. God is imminent, but not in a pantheistic way. He does not become, even in the incarnation, then suddenly uh, part of the creation. It is by his will that the Son of God became man, and as man, he could then represent man before the holy God in his humanity, while not having lost his divinity. Um, but God is always the transcendent one, and he doesn't become part of his creation. Because as we forget that, then we should read Romans 1 and 2 again, because that is exactly where we're reminded that that is exactly the idolatry of all of us, that we begin to worship the creation rather than the Creator alone in all the Alright, are there any quick questions? Maybe I should talk about short answers. Long questions, short answers. <laughs>
It's not simple. You can always email me, you can call me. I mean, I'll answer the phone, but I do look at my phone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the Westminster Confession. Lord, we know and wholeheartedly believe that this too is not your word, uh, but it is a tool, and we thank you for it. Father, we uh, read these words, mostly adjectives, that seek to describe you, and there's almost a sense, Lord, when we are done reading it, that we could say uh, how presumptuous that we now think that we have described who you are. And Lord, we will never be able to describe in fullness who you are, because your greatness, your majesty, your glory um, uh, resists that as well. So Father, thank you for disclosing to us what we do learn of you, and which is faithfully reflected in this reading of today. And so we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, accept our praises. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.